Hey everybody, welcome to Movie Marathon with Mike and Murph. We are here to talk about our penultimate Die Hard on a Blank uh, movie. And today we are talking about the 2012 action classic Dread starring Carl Urban. Uh, and unfortunately, we will also be talking about the 1995 classic Judge Dread <laughs> as part of this with Sylvester Sloan, which we've already covered. So we will be doing some uh, some backtracking on this one. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Murph, and uh, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I uh, couldn't think of a better place to spend my 40th birthday than hanging out with you <laughs> talking about movies at 7 in the morning. It's living the dream. My wife, my wife woke up when I was getting out of bed and just said, do you want me to make you coffee before you go start your podcast? And I'm like, no. And she's like, do you want do you want to, anything else? I'm like, no, I'm good. She's like, okay, happy birthday. <laughs> she rolled over back to bed. <laughs> So, nice. <laughs> yeah, can't complain. And can't complain. How are you feeling, buddy? Uh, it's starting to get better. Yeah, this this is going to go up a little late. Uh, kind of missed the normal release window. I've been sick the past week, but uh, and, I've, I, and I've had work conflicts too, so it's been tough for both uh, of us. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So apologies to uh, our, all 10, our listeners, 12, 10, 12, 8 <laughs> listeners who were devastated when this did not show up in their uh, in their. Uh, podcast feed on a friday morning <laughs> are we gonna hold it until friday or are we gonna just go ahead and just dump it today I, I guess it depends if we think uh if we think we can record cliffhanger uh before friday <laughs> get back on schedule or if we're just uh <laughs> just pretend good. that week didn't exist and <laughs> uh true good point friday. good point i um or we drop cliffhanger on easter sunday <laughs> As, with, as Jesus would have intended. The, the resurrection of Stallone. <laughs> hey, it's got a rock in it too. It's got lots of rocks in it, which is important because I think Jesus had to move the rock to to get back out. <laughs> <laughs> your your, uh, your deep understanding of the Bible is unrifled. Yeah, my uh, my Episcopalian works. <laughs> my Episcopalian upraising or upbringing that uh, I haven't been to church in twenty five years on uh, definitely is paying off right now. <laughs> Well, that's the weirdest it, thing. You ever tried to explain to a kid the the history of, or the story of Jesus with with regard to Easter when you go find eggs? It doesn't make any. I don't know. At least I've never looked it up. But I I have not. Trying to I, correlate I, I, those I, things is pretty tough. Yeah, not not. I don't talk too much about Jesus. <laughs> fair, fair <laughs> doesn't enough. come up much in my life. I'll be honest. Fair enough. Well, we've taken a weird turn already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the good news for this podcast is I am not on the Wi-Fi. I am uh, hardwired in, into the. Uh, Are you part of the, the matrix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I moved down by our, our router, so I'm able to uh, run an Ethernet cord. So I think uh, I'm hoping that means smooth sailing, at least for uh, technical difficulties. <laughs> it's definitely causing cancer right now because you're so close to it. But it's okay <laughs> because the connection's really crisp. <laughs> But, but uh, our, our two uh, Belgian listeners would be very relieved that, that <laughs> audio fidelity would be top-notch today. Uh, I'm, I was worried myself. Uh, I actually forgot until you said something, but thank you for, for being proactive. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, so should we talk about... Uh, I, I feel like we're going to talk about the 2012 movie, and spoiler alert, I think it's pretty good. 
Um, and I feel it's really like good. Yeah, I agree. More, more of my discussion is going to be like, what went wrong in 1995? <laughs> I know. I was thinking about stuff. Like, a lot of like, even the notes and stuff is like, I was like, wow, they just keep making like better decisions than like 1995. Is like, did they just watch that one and like just make the opposite decision like every time? Uh, yeah. They did? I think spoiler alert, uh, not having somebody's ego like Stallone's in this probably went a long way to making this a significantly better movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh I think yeah, so uh so we're talking about the 2012 action movie uh starring Carl Carl Urban as the titular dread. Uh dread, of course, everybody doesn't know <clears throat> is based on Judge Dread, as we talked about with the Stallone movie. Uh it's a futuristic sort of uh, fascist state where uh it's a police state uh it's post-nuclear war and the the country's been broken up into what's called mega us the us has been broken up into what's called mega cities these mega cities are effectively like i think it's like uh boston all the way down to like charlotte or something like that was supposed to be like mega city one so it's just these expanses of just big urban decay and uh uh, that's kind of what we get kicked off in, in in this world where it's dread on a uh, what is he on a he's on like a police pursuit of um yeah uh, some some drug addicts I guess or, or well, yeah some druggies that are trying to uh, escape in a van so I mean it, this this kind of opens similar to what dread or Judge Dread did with uh, uh except we don't have Rob Schneider here <laughs> uh, um but we do kind of get this this interesting flavor for this kind of uh dystopian world that dread lives in and and he has to go police so i uh i really liked how they set the movie up i think uh, where stallone's uh movie probably went wrong was they tried to give you too much of the world and 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 build too much and i think here they're like they only give you what you need which is just just enough to kind of make you make you realize how bad how bad Mega City One is, and how bad the world is, but I don't need nine set pieces to get there. This this is able to <laughs> yeah. deliver it from some decent exposition and giving you again. This goes back to something they did well in the eighties: action movies that can give you just enough to keep it interesting without trying to overwhelm you with context or content or whatever. Yeah, I also think they do well in the Stallone one. They're trying to make Stallone a hero. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really work for this character, so that it's that movie's always fighting against itself. Whereas this, they really do a good job of just embracing like the reality of this world and this character, and not uh, they didn't they kind of they don't veer into it or away from it of like kind of the fascist nature of like a judge jury executioner all in one <laughs> cop, um, but it's just like this is the reality and like make of it what you will like uh like there are times it leads to like really cool action movie stuff and it's also kind of like wow that's it's pretty fucked up that uh yeah no there's definitely some uh <laughs> some dark shit in here he just, he just murdered somebody <laughs> uh yep and he has uh no uh makes no qualms about being be able to take somebody out um at the drop of a hat so it's yeah. a, it's an interesting you're right. I think that was a mistake. I, well, again, we're going to talk only about mistakes that, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> Stallone's movie made. But yeah, th- they don't shy away from the reality of what Dredd is as a character. And, and again, we talked about it on the Stallone one, but Dredd was set up as a sort of a commentary on the 
the late 70s early 80s um the sort of british uh government's um sort of nanny state i think is what 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 they're after and the, the character itself was originally a british comic book and then uh, but it's set in the u.s um and i think it was supposed to be a social commentary and um it, that's why it's so cynical and that's why it's so dark and i think again stallone to your point trying to make a movie where he's the hero so you can't have all of these things that are sort of the motivating <laughs> factors for that for that story and so it becomes a it's just a generic action movie and here they did a pretty good job i think uh, keeping up those themes that that the original was based on indeed indeed <laughs> so the other thing i really enjoyed i wasn't sure initially and so they're in this Dread. And, you, and you've never seen it, right? Like that was this, I, no, this is the first time seeing it, and I, I really liked it. Um, and also, I know I, I've we're doing kind of the Die Hard on a thing. It definitely has those elements, but it and kind of at some point when you get into movies, like you, it's kind of into like a snake eating its own tail when you talk about what references what. Um, yeah, but yeah. obviously, a year before this, the raid came out, and you can tell um, they're borrowing pretty heavily. From that as well but then it's like well that also is diehard-esque of a movie <laughs> to uh um but as i said the other thing i really enjoyed that I, I wasn't sure in the initial police chase where he's going after uh it's like i forget i forget why he's initially going after them i think they robbed something but they also that's like, what i think yes um and they do this drug and it creates this like slow-mo effect for they like slows down time for the user so they do a lot of like slow mo special effects in it, which is uh, cool because the drug like, is the drug is called slow mo. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't realize that. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, a little on the nose, <laughs> but uh, I, sometimes that slow mo stuff, like post Matrix, can be really overdone in action movies. So initially, I was like, eh, I don't know, uh, but then I thought they did some really cool stuff with it, where they really made the movie look like comic book frames. With yeah, that slow mo of like, oh, like this could be lifted right from a comic. So I, I thought that was really cool, um, a cool way to kind of, I guess, show off the roots of of the story in the world you're doing and get some of those cool comic book visuals in a organic way. Yeah, I, I agree. I liked, I liked the, I liked that it. it's sort of the visual cue they use to start the movie, uh, and it's also sort of the visual cue they use to end the movie because. <clears throat> with uh because uh, effectively dreads chasing chasing those guys they're doing they're doing slow-mo in the, in the van and then it he shoots out their tires and then flips them and it's like interesting to see it from their perspective and then at the very end when he kills mama and she, he throws her off i wish I, I can't say her name like that it's just weird i know <laughs> I, it, felt, it felt like that was somebody who's european trying to, <laughs> to like put their, <laughs> their their hinge on it but um i i did like that they they bring it back where he gives Mama a uh, a bunch of slow mo and then throws her like off like the two hundred and twenty second story yeah. or something, which is uh, pretty dark but <laughs> a little bit. It's a good touch, and you're right. Like the movie itself is pretty uh, visually pretty dark uh, most of the time, and and it's it's low low lighting and it's those moments of slow mo where again everything kind of lightens up and brightens up and it does look like a comic book frame. And then, and then it is usually tied to a pretty interesting action sequence that they're trying to uh, to help accentuate. So I, I, I like the way they 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 did all of this visually. I thought I thought 
it's funny. Uh, I got to go look it up, but this didn't have a lot of money for its budget. I think it only had $35 million. Um, and I think the uh, Judge Dredd, uh, I'm going to go look it up. That had a $90 million budget. And I just think about like, well, you know, this is what? Like so many years, 20 later years, the, almost yeah. 20 years later. And, and it's visually just still a, such a, a much more interesting movie. Granted, CGI helped that, but they didn't need to spend 3x what they they did and they still got something i think that looks pretty good and 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 does a, uh, an excellent job telling the telling the story so it's funny i, I think it is it's interesting point that to me that extra money doesn't necessarily correlate to successful movie indeed it does not indeed <laughs> and that kind of we talked about that in speed too um yeah sometimes that those restrictions like i think in the in the 95 one it's almost like let them do too much. Of, yeah. We can do it all. Let's just do all of it. Uh, right. Like again, you put some restrictions on it. You got to get creative sometimes to, to pull off what you want to pull off or, or right. be really deliberate in your choices. Right. And this, this goes back to, again, I don't need to see, you know, the cursed earth set. I don't need to see um, that clone chamber. thing. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's probably where all that money went was, Making Armand Asante look like Stallone and uh, <laughs> the clone chamber. <laughs> so 90, 90 million, not well spent. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I, 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 it's weird. I, I don't have a lot to complain about with this. Um, I it's, it's, when I, uh, yeah, it's like, like 90 minutes and pretty lean. Yeah. yeah it, it's like looking at our notes and stuff. It's like, oh, it's, it really just moves from like it does its job it goes from point a to point b and it does it really efficiently and well and it's just like oh it's just like it's just well made they did a good job it's like i don't um yeah it's weird okay, it podcast did, it did, over it i know I, it's kind of how it feels actually because i'm like oh man i don't, I don't have yeah, a lot it's good. to say because it's just good um but it was funny was so it was uh directed by a uh, guy named Pete Travis, who's done some other stuff, but this wasn't successful, and, and which is a shame. it was not, yeah. Um, and uh, I think it only, I think only think it made back its budget, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I barely did. It got it made 41 million in the UK. Um, no, it's to- I'm sorry. I think its total was was 41 million. So it, yeah, it didn't make its budget back, which is a shame because if you look at it's got a 7.1 on IMDb, almost 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, and then some other thing. It's got a 4.3 out of 5. So it's funny that this is such a better movie than it really gets yeah. credit for. And uh, I think it, I think it's like the 95 one's so bad. It had still like polluted the waters. For, for this. I remember when this was coming out, kind of being skeptical. Um, and that's why I'd never seen it until yeah. now. I've just kind of still had in my head of like, oh my God, you're going to try that again? <laughs> Well, and I think we'll, we'll talk about it. You know, I, I was thinking about some things you said about the character dread that that make it a, a challenging character to to portray. Um, specifically, it's a pretty flat uh, lead character in a lot of ways. Um, if you're trying to actually do justice for what the the comic book was and, and trying to sort of adhere to that, because I was trying, I kept thinking before you and I talked about it that Anderson, who's the uh, the i don't know what her term is junior judge uh uh, (laughs) that dread takes around on on training 
she I was like always wondering like why would you need her in this and then you brought up the point that he's he's, he's almost too too two-dimensional to have a story where he is the, the the lead like otherwise there's no I think you said no humanity in the in the judges and so she kind of helps at least codify uh who the heroes are in, in this which is which is important but I think you're right like you know without without sort of an additional character it just becomes kind of a generic action movie because the character itself is not really that that deep there's yeah, no arc. What, there's no arc for dread <laughs> right that's what impressed me so much with in the writing process and making the movie they clearly recognized a lot of potential pitfalls of the character and like, like okay like we want him to keep the mask on the whole time but that then for the audience is going to have consequences of you know, you're just following this kind of blank slate for 90 minutes. And so, okay, we're going to need somebody, another character. And so they give him this judge, the trainee that he's evaluating. And it's like, oh, but it's a judge. So shouldn't she have a mask on? And they just really quickly eliminate that. Like she's a mutant with psychic powers and the helmet interferes with her psychic abilities. And like the psychic abilities are, kind of integral to her character and the plot to a degree, but never. And I thought they handled that well. That made me nervous too, because we talk about uh, Star Trek a lot and when, <laughs> or I, or I bring it up a lot of, but in the Star Trek, the next generation, they have a character who is like empathic or like can feel other emotions or things. And so like, there'll be, if I, if it's an episode based around her, they utilize her abilities a lot. But then if there's an episode that's not centered on her, it's like just completely forgotten. And it's but it's always funny watching. It's like, well, wouldn't it be really helpful in this situation if you just used like had this character <laughs> use their, their abilities? And so I was a little nervous. I was like, ooh, they're making a character psychic. Like that sometimes really leads your plot into weird like places you can't get out of. It's like, but the person's psychic, wouldn't they just know that? Um and they did a really good job of not packing themselves into corners with that and effectively um, using that. I thought so too. I was too. really impressed with the, like, the writing on this and kind of the character. Uh, I thought so too. It, it, yeah, you're right. Like they, they never, they never, it's kind of a plot point, but it's never to the point of, if it becomes the focal focal point or that her powers are so exaggerated that it's, it's going to, you know, if you don't follow this thread, you know, you can't get comfortable with it. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I like that it's just enough that she can she can sort of get in people's heads, but it's not like, you know, she's not like Professor Xavier. <laughs> yeah, it, it's and it's useful, but not like it, it's not overpowered where it's just like, oh, well, that would immediately save everything. Yeah, exactly. And actually, it was written by uh, Alex Garland, uh, who's also the oh, guy okay. who wrote uh, Ex Machina. And then mm-hmm. um, I haven't seen or seen it in a while, but 28 Days Later, which I remember really enjoying that came out. So he's done. Yeah, we some... saw that in theater together, didn't we? Yes, I think we did. Uh, in 2002. Yeah, wow. So I think it was summer 2002. Um, I think I went to go see that twice in theaters. Um, yeah, I remember also... really enjoying that. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, I actually don't mind Anderson. It's your point. I think I think she she's she's integral to the plot because if, again, as you said, if you don't have that, Dread's just killing people. <laughs> it's like okay, you don't need you don't need to, you don't need to make a ninety minute movie on on just that. 
yeah. Not that people haven't, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think I think to have any depth, um, you 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 have to shy away from that. Yeah, just bringing that evaluate that trainee character and just gives a natural arc yeah. to what could be a just flat violent story that I mean could still be a fun movie, but um, it would kind of not have any emotional beats to it that this kind of naturally had um <laughs> well speaking of emotional beats uh well i guess we haven't really talked about it before i, I, I jumped down the uh that rabbit hole um so we were saying this is die hard on a on a blank right so what do you do you think this after you've seen it now for the first time do you think this still qualifies as a die hard on a blank movie i don't know I'm, i go back and forth because conceptually it's like a cop trapped in a skyscraper with with bad guys that he has to battle so it's like yes that's literally die hard um but it feels so it, it veers so far off the formula so like he's not like he's not as reluctant a hero as like a john mcclain or a, a guy who like stuck in this situation like to some degree he gets stuck in this situation but it's also like he was there like on like official business as a, and i guess he's such like a hard ass character you don't feel like he's been like you, you don't really a... feel like he's like upset about being in a situation or not you have no idea like what his inner thoughts are which i i, I like for the character um it just makes it not really feel like a diehard on a something cuz so much of the diehard formula is like the wisecracking or like bitching about like being in a situation or something. Um, and, and also kind of having a tiny bit of like the everyman in that you can making that character accessible in a way of like, Oh, like what if I was in this situation? Uh, whereas dread is like so opposite of that type of character um, that you don't really project yourself onto him. So it's definitely like viewing wise, very different to me um than watching a die hard on a something movie but still a like, plot wise it, it's very much still the die hard on a something so i just kind of go back and forth of of uh how i felt with with that but uh but enough there to justify <laughs> I, I yeah i i, I think i picked it just because it was like okay yeah you know they're trapped in a building and, and that's to your point it's sort of a reverse die hard um they're tra- they go into the building intentionally looking for trouble and some on some level and then find it and then they're stuck in there with the bad guys um i i agree you know it's it is a little tough because dread there's no emoting from dread he just sort of deals with circumstances as they come but he never really seems that stressed other than he grimaces a little more perhaps than he does <laughs> yeah in scenes and and like and not to say that it's like you get the sense like he's frustrated or like uh, with things or but he's just so professional the whole time yeah. and it's it's a kind of cool trait uh, he's never like flustered or overwhelmed or the times where he's like well fuck we're gonna die <laughs> like he urban feels like he's playing it as um judge dread as played by clint eastwood who is playing uh, Harry Callahan and Dirty Harry. <laughs> that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, that's a good that's a good uh, comparison of more because uh, I mean, more a seventies. Yeah, it does yeah. feel like a more of a seventies, eighties, like, or nineties. Like, 
yeah like a more questionable hero than i mean i think that's again that's kind of what the and now that i'm talking about it uh dirty harry that's kind of the whole premise is you know he gets the job done people don't generally don't like how he gets it done but you know when things are falling apart like he's he's kind of the guy who who will still do the right thing get the and, and you know get the job done to to save save somebody or stop the bad guy and it's, and it's maybe it's questionable which is kind of what dread is but but you know it's sort of this this pull between and that one it's more of a pull between um i don't think the intent in dirty harry was to, to call it fascist because but <laughs> but that's kind of what he is and yeah um, it's very and, much and, in that and they're presenting him as a very logical counterpoint to um um human rights <laughs> in some ways so <laughs> It's uh, it's I don't know. It's interesting. So it feels like Urban's pulling pretty heavily on that from uh, Dirty Harry to me, and and Harry, and Harry Callahan never really reacts either when he gets shot or gets shot at. He's he's he doesn't ever seem too fussed by it. He just he just goes about getting the job done. Yeah, it's it's I mean, both of the I think portray it as he's been through this so many times and no longer like warrants a reaction. This is just normal to him. <laughs> Which is which is pretty horrible. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, one more thing with the diehard of uh, both. Uh, this ends as well with the main villain falling off the top of the building. Uh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. And that uh, just another similarity of that. So it's definitely a lot of DNA in there. Just uh, just the character is so different. Well, that you don't really feel it's. You don't feel like when you watch like Under Siege, you really feel like they're just doing a diehard. <laughs> and this did not feel like, oh, they're doing that diehard moment here. No, and I guess, I guess there, there really isn't like a, a motivating plot for the bad guys. Like Mama and her gang, their only real motivation is survival. And and they they really set her up to be more of an agent of chaos than, uh, than anything else. And it's not like she's, you know, Hans Gruber has this huge plot to go take 600 million dollars in bear bonds from the nakatomi uh, corporation and this she's just crazy and the judges made a mistake of going into basically going into her lair where she's making slow-mo the drug <laughs> and uh um she just wants them out and so she's willing to pretty much kill anybody she can to get to them it's a i don't know it's it, it is interesting i i wish now that we're talking about it some, I, I do wish you had a little bit more of a two or three-dimensional um, uh, bad guy. Because in this, she's just a drug addict. Like, they kind of set her up as having this tragic uh, life where she was a prostitute who, who, after she's beat up by her pimp, she she effectively kills him and then and slowly starts taking over as sort of like a, a gang leader. But then, but they don't really touch on any of that or, or anything interesting. They just kind of set up that, yeah, she's had a bad life. And then here she is. There's a... Uh, there's this she's just a bad person who will stop at nothing to kill these judges so it doesn't even her her motivations don't really go very far but maybe that's the point i mean maybe that's that's why they're maybe i'm missing the point i guess uh i, I don't think you're necessarily missing it but i don't i think i do think it's intentional where they leave that because i think they realized you're either going to go too far down into that and we're not, that's just not it's going to derail the, where this movie is going or it's diminishing returns as you define. Yeah. Well, I guess I think they do a good job of 
they kind of define what the world is and then leave a lot of details vague so that you kind of just kind of fill in the gaps yourself. And I, I think that's pretty effective. And, and like this Stallone one, they really go into some like world details at times where it's, it just leads you to ask questions of like logic things where it's like, well, that doesn't really make sense. So that would be this way or like now I'm quite. And so they kind of hit that, the sweet spot of like, okay, I get the concept and now we're along for the ride. And I don't have logistical questions of what, what this would actually mean. No, fair, fair point. Fair point. What, what did you think of, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about this. Mama's gang in this um, uh, reminds me of all of the smokers from uh, 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 Waterworld. That's what they all look like. It's, they all look like <laughs> guys who are just wearing crazy outfits. Just a bunch of stunt guys that are dressed in crazy shit to try and uh, <laughs> try and, like make them look interesting. <laughs> I did enjoy that aspect of of uh, Mama, and I, I think it's uh, it's played pretty well by uh, was it Lena Headley? Yeah, I think plays the character. She's She's pretty She's good. Very good, yeah. As it's just being this sort of uh or heady, sorry, Lena Heady, um, is this sort of emotionally drained or or or, or emotionally vacant uh person who who's just really out for nothing but blood in this. Um so I, I enjoyed her portrayal of it, but it, it was one of those things where uh again, I, I may have maybe I'm maybe I'm asking the wrong questions if I'm asking for more depth on on what that character is, but yeah, no, no, they do a good job at times of of showing her the way she's risen to power just by being the as brutal and like evil as she can be, and that's how she's kind of like built and maintained her power, and it's kind of like her only move is that's the only way to like control this is to just be the most brutal and most evil. So no one will dare to challenge her. You know what? I will say and her character brings it out the most in this movie, but I was surprised and may, maybe I'm look, I'm 40 today. Um, maybe I'm just getting old, but watching <laughs> this, it, it, it struck me. I, I hadn't seen this in a couple of years and I was just like, man, this is really violent. <laughs> like, yeah. Like shockingly violent. And uh, it surprised me that something in 2012 was allowed to be made. That was this uh, bloody and gory. Um, and it's interesting that they, they use some of that violence and gore, even almost in like art house scenes in this movie. Um, yeah, I feel around this time there was like a wave of I don't know, like R rated action of like style, really, like the really stylized violence, like maybe like a post like Kill Bill, um, thing to some, some degree of that. Like, like I think a couple years later, you get the Kingsman. Um, yep, which I'm, is I'm thinking. Well, John Wick comes out two years after this, too. That's uh, what I was trying to. I, I thought Wick came out the same year, but a little bit later. Um, of doing the real artsy stylized violence, but it's like really like brutal as well. And especially in this, they it really shows the brutality in the world. Uh, it's a nice juxtaposition of these beautiful, beautifully shot, but hyper violent, um, which well, works well, I think, for this world. It does. And I mean, you talked about the slow-mo scenes, especially as, uh, you know, where they're, where they're allowed to kind of use the slow-mo as a, as a, uh, what's the term, justification for how, how, why they're giving you the visuals they're giving you. And it, it makes it pretty interesting. But even like the, 
I mean, the violence in this is just brutal. Like to use your word, like when they throw the three yeah <laughs> guys off, and, and then when the the bodies hit the floor because they're being thrown from like I think like thirty or forty stories up, so they're not as high as what mom, happens to Mama. But it's just like these bags. It sounds like bags of meat hitting a concrete floor, and it's just like, oh god. Yeah, this is a sound design on it, and everything. It's like it, you really feel like. But then they yeah. take that back again at the end. Uh, spoiler alert: you know, Dread throws <laughs> uh, Mama off the top of the the you know whatever whatever story of this built like two hundred story of this building, and she falls all the way down to the same um, atrium, and she hits. But they do it because she's on slow mo, and so it's interesting that she's falling with that interesting visual element, and then they actually have this. It's good, but it's also gross shot of <laughs> straight up in slow-mo of her impacting through her yeah. by her face. And it's just like this impact of a face and it looks like just blood spanning out around it to um, to show you that she's dead without actually like... And it's not like distasteful. And maybe, maybe gross is the wrong word, but you know, it's not distasteful. It's just they're using that visual element to tell you that she's obviously dead. And it's... But without showing you this kind of disgusting body or whatever right so it's they do a good job with it but again i i was just surprised how how violent it is and i liked i mean i like action movies but it just felt out of place in 2012 the, the violence at times feels like visceral in a way that is not like nor you don't see that anymore i guess maybe that's my <clears throat> That's what I'm trying to say. That you don't get from uh, like Marvel comic booky movies. That oh no, <laughs> oh no, that it it, it, it stands out. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was looking at action movies from around this time or from 2012. You've got uh, Act of Valor, which is that weird Navy SEAL, probably U.S. <laughs> government funded action movie. Um, Safe House, which is not bad. Total Recall remake. Which I think you and I were talking <laughs> about that, that we need to go back and watch that at some point. Um, Prometheus, another born, <laughs> another born movie, the Red Dawn remake. Yeah, there's not a lot of interesting stuff out in 2012. Um, you know, at least that are big mainstream Hollywood movies, uh, that are that are um you know, real action-y. So it's interesting. Um that was kind of one of the things I had was I know I'm all over the place with this, but you know, with the violence and stuff like that, it, it's, I, I think they're doing it on purpose to probably help move the, help you understand the, the reality of this world. Yeah. But I, 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 one of my notes was I would just would have been very interested to see if this, if Verhoeven had done this in 87, instead of like RoboCop, I wonder what, <laughs> what it would have looked like, because I think, RoboCop has there's a lot of crossover in the themes and the uh, the issues they try and cover and they and to your point they they're trying to use violence to make a point and, or or the the brutality in RoboCop is like intentional it's it's there to yeah to highlight highlight things that you shouldn't be okay with yeah <laughs> so yeah and I I, it's, I didn't I don't think the violence in this goes to that. Um, Verhoeven level where it's commenting outside of the film on things and supposed to like make you feel it's more of just establishing this world you're going into and the brutality that exists like the kind of uncaring brutality of like there's something this like 
awful can happen and it kind of like doesn't move the needle for a lot of people because they're kind of numb to yeah. even this level of extreme violence. No, that's a good point. I, um, even a lot of the residents that live in, I, I do love this as somebody who grew up in Georgia, that the, uh, <laughs> the building this takes place in is called Peach Trees, which is. I, know. I, I kept thinking me think it's in Atlanta. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's exactly. Hey, it could have been. I mean, it's supposed to be. Most that of these spans coasts the, is, yeah, is like uh, East Coast or something. Yeah. So I actually, gotta, I'm going to go look that up uh, later on. Um, but yeah, uh, spoiler, if you've never been to Atlanta, every other road is is peach peach tree something. And it's, it's some variation on a road drive uh, street or something. So if you ever go to Atlanta and, you're, and you, you get lost, you're probably fucked because everything is going to be called peach tree. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, so I was... Uh, we, we talked a little bit about mutants with uh, Anderson. She uses a couple times. She uses her, her um, uh, telekinesis to, to kind of get her out of situations. And I, I can't remember the names, the name of the guy, but it was one of the henchmen that she, she outsmarts him like four or five times using her, uh, her uh, telepathic ability. Oh, they get who they have with them for part yeah, of the movie. I, uh, I can't his name in the movie. I forget. It's Wood Harris. Uh, it's Avon Barksdale from the wire. Um, yeah. But- he wait, what was his name in the movie because yeah they have some good back and forth um let me see i'm on the i oh uh, he's k he's k wow okay I, that still doesn't even really <clears throat> no it doesn't tell you much I, I think my problem is i just always think of him as avon boxdale because of the wire it's <laughs> fair i've never seen problem. the wire oh my god it's i mean no i, I had a but, i had a friend I, who i highly recommend it but that's as a gift, I gave them the uh, the DVD set or the Blu-ray set of it when it came out, and uh, because they they loved it so much. And then they're like, "Are you gonna watch this?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll get around to it." And I've never have. And they're like, "You need to do it before you forget what flip phones were like, because like flip phones basically <laughs> are a huge role in the wire." And I'm like, "Okay, all right." So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's awesome. <clears throat> you, I, I need to not be, well, not be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't think so. I just need to. I need to get around to it. Yeah, but, it's just a TV show. It's kind um, of a time commitment. <laughs> but I, I, I liked again. I liked how they used her, her capability within the movie. Is is it keeps it interesting. And, and again, it's never over the top. Where her powers seem like they could just do anything. They they seem to do a decent job honing in on. <clears throat> it's got limited ability to read people's minds, and in some cases, maybe project things into their mind. But I was going to ask you. So they have another character that worked for Mama, who's uh, played by uh, Dom Hall Gleason. <laughs> and um, I always try to, and, and you and I were kind of going back and forth. And I, said, I don't, I don't know if I have an answer to be honest with you. But his, his name is Clan Techie, and he seems like he's genetically modified, or he is a mutant of some form, because his job is basically to run the entire. He he, he gets put in charge of Peach Trees, their entire IT system to basically try and identify where dreads at and i i'm curious you have any thoughts or any any idea if he's like like what his actual um, backstory is that was one where i was like i i could and maybe i missed it i was like i could have used a tiny bit more of what the relationship is what the backstory is because he seems like at times reluctant to be doing this stuff and helping Mom. Like he's under duress so she, the entire time. Right. She seems to have some kind of hold or control over him. And I couldn't tell if he was just like a junkie and 
she'd like withhold from it or if she had like modified him in like a way <laughs> where he like was like now like she could control him uh, and it, but it's always a funny character to me that he's like basically a hacker or like the, the tech person and like he becomes pretty critical to a lot of things they do <laughs> to the point of for her organization, it's like, oh, he is in like the most important person in the organization. <laughs> like, so like, he's a, almost too important to where if she didn't have him, like, she'd be fucked. <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, I mean, I, I think he he kind of becomes the MacGuffin. Actually, to your point, now that we're, now we're talking about it, he becomes the MacGuffin that they use to. All right, you're in a two hundred and twenty whatever uh, story building. How would you ever track Dread down? And and he is the sort of vehicle to. Okay, here's how I can explain to the audience the rationale for, for how we'll find him within a you know a gigantic multi-story building with with hundreds or thousands and thousands of tenants. You know how how would he not be able to hide? And I think to your point, he he's kind of the exposition for for setting all that up. And like yeah, how they could get the building into this like lockdown mode, and how they could yeah do. <laughs> it's like oh, they have this guy. <laughs> I will say this is fucked up, but I did I did enjoy to the, your point on lockdown when uh dom domal gleason takes over and they shut those uh uh blast walls when dread's walking into the into peach trees his first comment is to a homeless guy who he basically he actually gets him off the hook he just says look don't be here when i come back yeah and the guy's right. laying in the track of the the blast shields um like where they'll come down once once they're deployed and then as dread's leaving they they deploy the shields and it comes down and it's the guy's just a puddle of blood. And you're just like, Jesus Christ. It's like, yeah. well, they made a point. Like, got it. Yeah. <laughs> told him not to be there and, and something bad happened. So um, I, I, I liked I liked that. And I thought I thought Dom Hall Gleason, I, I agree. I wish I knew a little bit more about him because he's got very reddish sort of sunken in eyes. Almost like you like you said, I, they're genetically modified. Then, yeah, like that's and I might have just missed like a line where they explained something about him. But. I was like, I, I, have, I have questions about him that I could use one or two <clears throat> answers for. I um, uh, but I, I, I do, I do like him in this. Is he, is his dad, um, Brendan Gleason? I know that's a weird question, but <laughs> I actually was just. It feels um, like something I should know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 well, I haven't seen um, uh, what's the new one? Banshees of uh, um, Annie Sharon. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I was like. They kind of look. Yep, it's it's his son. Okay, okay, because <laughs> right. they kind of look alike, and uh, I was Would like, make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't want to just assume with stuff like that because just assuming somebody's last name means that that's they're related to somebody. But no, that's a <laughs> that's a little more of a layup, I guess. Okay, it makes sense. He also plays what uh, Hux and and a couple of the Star Wars newer Star Wars movies. Indeed, <laughs> and uh, um, I liked him in those, and then. Um, He's been, he's been actually been a couple different things. So it seems like his career is kind of on the up and up. I think he's also in um, uh, Peter Rabbit, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Peter Rabbit too. Saw <laughs> yeah. that. Saw him in that. So, uh, but I, I like him in this. It is weird because I feel like everything else I've seen him in, he's been much more type A. And in this, he's kind of a, uh, a beta guy who just, again, always seems like he's under duress. So it's, it's, yeah, I almost I just, didn't recognize him when I, when I watched this. Yeah. Cause it's definitely, I mean, now, over 10 years ago um so it was like oh wow young <laughs> he, he looks very young too um yes. yeah i always enjoy him and he was very good at this um 
what do you think about uh dreads uh um gun in this compared to stallone's <laughs> so they it still has the thing where you can like talk to it and it will take change rounds or whatever and i was trying to figure out why it felt so much better done in this but it's oh, really yeah. <laughs> not that different like it's still a kind of a silly concept of <laughs> i don't know the the stallone one it just felt like it's it just laughed at it and it seemed ridiculous and this <laughs> I, I i bought it more um of i don't know i i just maybe urban just sells it better or is a little more low-key about it so it feels a more natural part of the world or is a stallone one they really call attention to it um i i agree i uh i like it a lot more in this i think they they they, they weirdly make it seem more realistic i mean it's still a little silly that like it has all these different round types in it is the gun's not bigger any bigger than like a, a normal pistol right but uh um it they do anchor it much better as like a, a believable tool that he would have I, I actually my background i've got all three dreads as well i've got the comic book dread and then i've got stallone and urban on either side and in both stallone and urban have their their i think it's called the law is it the lawgiver is the name of the pistol it's something like that, that and right. uh i i i'm laughing because i look at the one that stallone's got and it looks like thank you it looks like the uh gun from time cop if you remember that arcade game <laughs> <in the> 90s. <laughs> and it looks like it could be it's it's very fake and you know there's nothing to it and uh um i did like in this that i think the other difference is it does talk back to you and you can talk to it for different rounds but what I like about it is in the in the urban one, it doesn't scream or shout or announce what you're about to do. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in the Stallone one, it's like it's broadcasting at like 80 decibels. <laughs> it's about to set yeah. a grenade off. It's like and this one, yeah. it, it felt more like a user interface for yes. like it, it's like, okay, it's like where is the and I also think because in the Stallone one, I feel he like really he like stops everything he's doing to like configure it, the gun to where I talk to the guy. And it's like, it's like, well, if you're going to like where is this one, he just is like doing it organically within. It's like, oh, that seems more useful of a yeah of a way to do it. Um, they I did do find the Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I uh, the introduction of it in this one. Uh, it was kind of was a little funny um and I, I go back and forth on how much i really like it but i think urban sells it well where this he the in the opening he's chasing the guys the guy runs into um the one of the big apartment buildings and he like pulls a hostage with him and oh, yeah. Urban has him like <laughs> in his sights and the guy's like, you can't do anything. Like, I'm, what is this the normal bad guy? <laughs> like, I have a hostage. You can't do anything to me. Stuff. And Urban, like, it's like, I forget what the line is, but he's just somewhere where it ends with like hot shot, <laughs> and <laughs> that like triggers the gun to change the rounds to these like hot shot rounds. That that yeah, it's I like, it's really. A, I think it's a flare. Right. I didn't quite know why that was necessary because he then just shoots it into the guy's mouth and the guy like like his head burns up which is pretty it's 
very violent. Uh, but it's like, well, can he have done that with any round if you're just going to shoot it right in his mouth? Yeah, I don't really, I don't know if the, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's any benefit to doing it that way. <laughs> fair, fair point. <laughs> Other than it just visually is very interesting and it shows you yeah. how, um, how brutal and, and unforgiving dread can be. Um, I, uh, I, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. you go ahead. I, well, I, I was just gonna say, I liked that it, in both movies, you do have the consistency of uh, it's it's designed to make sure that you whoever is the uh, the user is only the designated user for the weapon. Otherwise, it will kill or well, it will horribly maim the person who, <laughs> who picked it up. Case in point was uh, um, I think it blows off one character's arm when they pick up Anderson's gun. Um, they disarm her and then she I think she even warns them and then. Yeah. Uh, instead of electrocuting people like it does it did in in the Stallone one here, you just lose your entire arm, which is <laughs> awful. So yeah, a little that, rough. I, I I agree with you. I th- I think it's I like the lawgiver in this much better. Um, uh, and I I think they make good use of the 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 tech feels lived in and not that far off perhaps than what we have today. Maybe that's just 20, 30 years more more tech than what Stallone's was but um I don't know it just feel it feels much more believable and and, and well yeah. thought out here and maybe it's just that it's being designed in a world where we do have some of these things some like some closer things to that so that it's like oh okay that's like how you would have that work yeah <laughs> that yeah but yeah. The, when he's then the guy the bad guy has the it's like a young woman like hostage it's a movie trope, and it's like fine, like, you, you forgive it. But he's like, he's really cocky that like Dread can't do anything because he has this hostage, and it's such a movie thing where like so often in movies they do that. It's like he has this small woman blocking like a third of his body, and he's like a foot taller than her, so his head is like completely exposed. It's like it's like <laughs> man, Dread's like fifteen feet away, like. Yeah, it's not going like, to go well for that guy. You might want to like duck behind her a tiny bit or something. Like, I, I think I think he's got a pretty good shot at the moment. Like, uh, and he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you're a little too confident here. Yeah. Uh, well, he's probably just really high on slow mo, so that's probably his first uh, mistake. Aren't, aren't we all? I know I am. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah. So I, I the I did enjoy. The, the weapon being more believable in this. I also liked, um, we haven't really talked about, it. we've been talking about Mama on this, but I did, and I forgot about this because it's been a while since I've seen it. I like that they, they at the, uh, in the third act. So again, they spend most of the movie with just, it's a cat and mouse thing with Dredd and, and Anderson trying to escape Mama's gang. And uh, they do some pretty intense stuff. They use um, mini guns to basically destroy an entire block. Um, and then Dread and uh, what's her uh, Anderson, of course, escape it by jumping onto a skate ramp that's outside of the building, like on like the hundredth yeah. floor or something, which is crazy. But uh, they call in some backup for extra judges, and they bring in I think four, and uh, they immediately reveal that they're four corrupt judges who want a million <laughs> credits to basically uh, uh, help hunt down Dread and Dread, Anderson yeah. and kill him. I did like that. I, I did like that. I wish maybe there was a little more of that in the movie because the corruption element and then um, uh, uh, dread having to show down with other judges was kind of an interesting dynamic. It's definitely one you didn't get in the first in, in the Stallone movie. 
And uh, I like it, it felt like there's a lot more. Uh, what do you call it? There's a lot better banter and and kind of, you know, action. It felt like the 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 feel was a lot more level, perhaps, than it does the rest of the movie. When it's just like kind of coked up thugs, it's not that. <laughs> it's not as interesting and, and fun. But I liked the the. I think it was Judge Lex was one of the judges. I think he's the lead corrupt judge, and uh, um, I liked that aspect of it. And I thought it was you and I talked about it a little bit, but. I do like the part where he runs into one of the judges and he's like, uh, uh, Hey, we're here to get you out. And, he, and, and then he's like, well, you didn't ask about the other, the other judge that was with me. <laughs> and then he immediately gets into a fist fight with, with one of his peers because he's like, well, if you were a real judge or you weren't corrupt, you would actually care about what happened to but, uh, yeah. <laughs> the other. I was like, it seems like a big stretch for him just to jump straight into beating up his coworkers. You're right. <laughs> No, maybe, I, that really stood out to me too of how quickly like, <laughs> there's no there's, there's a lot of times you have that moment where it's like oh you trusted this guy and now like you turned your back on him and it's like it's like immediately like yeah you're corrupt <laughs> like <laughs> I'm on top of this <laughs> like Who you made the, that one tiny mistake <laughs> of not asking politely about somebody else that you yeah. probably never met <laughs> um. I uh that that did make me laugh, and then it's pretty again pretty brutal. I know I keep using that word, but just throat throat punches that guy and breaks his windpipe, and he just yeah. watches throat like change shape, and then he slowly dies. And it's just like God damn, it's brutal. Yeah, it's uh you really feel some of the, some of the deaths in the yeah 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 no it's it it looks it looks painful, and that was one of them where I'm just like oof tough. But uh, yeah, so um, what else do you want to hit on this one? Because again, I, it was funny. Like you and I just did not have a lot of comments about like why this, like why this doesn't work. Or yeah, I was rereading your notes this morning, and I, I like I got confused. I was like, wait, you already have a note on this? Uh, it's like that's like the end of the movie, and it's like, oh, it's just, there's just not a ton. No, it's 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 just it's, a lot of like well-made like action sequences where it's like oh that's pretty cool of but not a ton to say beyond like oh I, I liked it <laughs> they did a good job or <laughs> it's a good vignette into the world of dread without going too too big and they don't tee it up as like I got to have a sequel on this which I thought was smart um, yeah I don't no... know. I mean you could definitely do a sequel but I don't like. You would just you would need to justify that with like an a story of like something new. Well, and that's kind of how I remember the comic books was in a lot of them they were self-contained into one um one story within a comic book and they could they could begin and end it. And there were a couple that had like a series they would like a run they would do, but for the most part they were they were they were self-contained. And I think that's this movie's kind of a good version of that um which uh which i liked but one thing i did i did want to say did it makes me laugh now is well i think i told you i we may have talked about this with the stallone one but when it came out at blockbuster i believe it was either a, i think it was a super nintendo <laughs> game that came out yeah for it would have Judge been super nintendo. yeah and uh they did a competition at blockbuster yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah so i got my ass kicked in that but uh, I, I this one did make it me haunts feel, you to this day <laughs> it does i actually want to i 
I don't know what you would win. Uh, maybe you get like a law a lawmaster bike or something like like motorcycle. It's <laughs> still <laughs> so like eleven. I'm I'm getting a, a motorcycle that I can't drive. Um, but uh, the whole movie does feel like a video game to me, and the way it's the way it's set up with the different yeah. levels, and you kind of have to build to the to the upper floor to get to Mama, and she's on the she's on the roof or not the roof, but the top floor, and that's where her her um layer i guess is no it would make a good video game yeah just and the well, layout of it, it just going yeah. floor to floor having to clear and that, it, it, even the movie feels like you're watching somebody play a, a video game which i know doesn't sound like a, it's not a compliment that sounds horrible actually <laughs> um but it does just have this strange feeling of Maybe it's a little too mechanical at times, and maybe maybe that's why I feel like that. And the and the action pieces are set up so much to just show kind of crazy big big explosions and gunshots that you don't get a good. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like that's a compliment. You know. Of, 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 yeah. Of the I, or the movie. I, I, mean. I kind of see what you're saying there. Of like it. It feels like you're watching. Um. Like. Like you bought a video game and like you're struggling with it and like yeah. you go on youtube to watch how like someone like defeats these different levels <laughs> it's like oh you got to use the smoke grenades and then you go in and you take out four bad guys on level like 29 and like it's like oh okay and then that lets you go to this one and do this and um yeah it's just like someone who's awesome at this video game <laughs> and uh yeah and that's that's kind of what it, yeah it's kind of what it feels like okay i am not crazy okay the blockbuster <laughs> world video game championship part two part were two. special cartridges that were as the name suggests the second blockbuster world video championships held it at uh blockbuster branches it was built by acclaim entertainment for north america um I, okay maybe it was sega it was sega mega drive units and contains oh, wow. watered down versions of nba jams tournament edition and judge dread <laughs> which in hindsight <laughs> I definitely should have played NBA Jams. I think I was way better at that than I was at uh at uh George at Dredd. Dredd. <laughs> Oh man, now I want to play I, uh, NBA Jam. <laughs> um I gotta check it. So I, I was telling you off off mic that uh, I downloaded NBA 2K23 for my son, <laughs> my oldest son. <clears throat> and we were playing it, and I kind of <laughs> laughed myself because it was still downloading when we were um playing the the multiplayer or the 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 one-on-one there's a whole section in it called like the jordan experience and it was still downloading i haven't so i haven't played it yet but i'm like man i remember how locked down jordan was in 95 for nba jams like you could not there was wasn't there a character where he had all of jordan's stats it was number 23 but they couldn't use his name yeah there's like i think that you could put in a code and get a character who's called like air or something that's yeah yeah. or king air or something like yeah yeah um but yeah they didn't have jordan for the game um which weirdly now there's about i think it's coming out this week a movie and it's about michael jordan becoming super rich like that's how that's how much we've transcended is there's a a feel-good story by ben affleck and matt damon (laughs) and viola davis about michael jordan becoming a fucking hundred millionaire over over a pair of shoes (laughs) so nice things have Things have changed. <laughs> Things have definitely changed. Yeah. Um, um, no, I, so I was going to talk about one other thing in the movie. Uh, I really enjoyed in this 
so in the 95 one the buildings they go to they just feel like semi-futuristic apartment buildings yeah and they like they don't whereas in this one they really capture like the world has changed because you feel like someone could be born live their life and die all within this building that it's like a self-contained world that people like there would be some people who would just never leave it because that's just not like they don't there's not nothing good outside and everything they need to live is contained within this massive structure um and i I really enjoyed that it felt made the world feel more dystopian more it's a different world like oh man like things have gone very badly <laughs> but you but, but you don't you don't need again you don't need a bunch of sets to show it to you 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 kind of get it from yeah they establish like, it well with yeah just like a few shots or just like organically the way you see like characters or different things out of, in in the building and uh, what are you talk about when they like they use the minigun they then blow a hole in the side where they end up and want to like and they end up on like a skate ramp that's like off the side of like out like a hundred stories up like off the side of the building of uh, it's like oh like these were these were intentionally built to just like the world get to a place where it's like let's just build these massive structures and shove everyone into them and like <laughs> like we've taken care of housing and like is yeah it 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 does feel like um it reminds me a little bit of like 80s action movies where they're like what's an interesting place we could set something let's set it in a mall and this is kind of what it is it's a mall with a, a massive apartment complex built on top of it and it's really really all it is and and in theory you've got everything you need to your point it does seem like they set these these apartment buildings up that you never need to actually leave them and go anywhere else to do anything that you could subsist your entire life in, in an apartment it's kind of it is pretty dark when you think of it like that yeah yeah so yeah it helps us it explains like so much of like the world and the characters and like the villains and bad guys and like how it, it just and it, but they but they they don't it's like the classic like, like they're showing you this so you really feel it as opposed yeah. to like they do the intro kind of thing similar to the 95 one where you get like i don't know i forget is it a voiceover or is it like a text on the screen but basically just like oh the world's gone to shit and people live in these like massive like apartment it, buildings in massive cities but um, is it is it um james earl jones who does the voiceover for the first one where it's oh i do not remember uh i think it is all right i'm looking it up right now um uh wait for for it. yep james real jones as narrator <laughs> oh yeah God, you get this, i'd completely forgotten about that you do get this kind of crazy um uh overview of how bad the world is dread i think carl urban's the one who's voicing it when they do do this one but again all they're showing you is just this very dystopian city blocks and it looks like it's mostly probably cg or composite shots and i think i i, I like it but um it's just much more effective and and simple. They, they just simplify everything in this and that obviously they're doing it for budget reasons because this is a third of what a movie 20 years before it cost. But <laughs> it also conceptually just makes this whole thing much easier to understand and process. So again, I, I, maybe it's one of those weird 
less is more and, and it works in their favor here but yeah and it also kind of helps make sense of why they have these judges like the like yeah the world is so big and things are like out of control and that it's like we just gone to like we, we don't care about individual people we just like things just need to be done <laughs> and they're going to be mistakes made and that's just how it is um whereas like the 95 one it feels like it just felt more like similar to the world we live in too much so of like well they've taken these things like so far <laughs> and it seems unnecessary like why would they do that and they well and they they don't they weren't making dark action movies in 1995 no. to the extent of, yes. of like the, the ending doesn't have to be a happy ending or a, a good one. I go back to, again, RoboCop is probably the closest, uh, you know, early action movie parallel this, this has, or, you know, proxy of this has. And even that is, it still has a happy ending. Um, he still kind of <laughs> regains his memory and, and, and identity is, is uh, Murphy, but this, yeah, I, I, I just keep thinking I would, I would love to have seen Verhoeven's take on this in the eighties, yeah, which is, which is what this was. Give this him was, this. Yeah, I think, I think he would have, he would have gotten all the cynicism, and uh, you would have gotten it around the time of him doing Total Recall and, and uh, RoboCop, and probably, probably would have been pretty interesting. But, uh, but yeah, I, 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 again, I still like this a lot. It's, it's weird that we don't have a lot to say about it, but, but it's just a, to me, a solid action movie that that delivers on a lot of different fronts that that i feel like at this time you just weren't getting that elsewhere and it beats the shit out of the stallone one by a long by a yeah 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 it's just i they do such a good job i think i said it. it's just so efficient it just gets it just kind of gets the mm-hmm. job done and that works also for the character as well of that's kind of his efficiency yeah. <clears throat> like so it kind of models that carrier. So everything kind of fits together really well. Um, and it, and just like watching it is like, Oh, I enjoyed that action sequence. Like, it's like, I don't have, I, I don't have notes on it because like no notes, like <laughs> nothing, nothing exceptional. Like he went in, killed everybody. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Um, no, I, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I know it was your first time watching it. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I think um, it's definitely, I'm glad that you could see past the Stallone one to, to that being sort of a <laughs> a um, overshadowing, if you will, of, of what the movie can be. I do think the Stallone one, unfortunately, um, does a good job of ma- making your point, making sure nobody ever wants to watch these again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's a, that's a rough movie. <laughs> and this is also, I think... Maybe before the whole Marvel uh, run is in full force, like this is still early days of of uh, um the Marvel universe before it really went crazy. I think during the two thousand teens. Uh, this is the same year as the is first it, Avengers. It, oh, okay, all right. So it's kind of so like right when going it's pretty off. good. Yeah, it's it's going pretty good, but it's. Really, yeah, it's probably kicking into really high gear of like, oh, this is going to be a massive thing for a while. Do you think this would have done better if Stan Lee had a cameo? <laughs> uh, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, just checking. <laughs> so, well, um, 
where would you rank this? I know we're not rank it. Maybe we can do the rankings for the whole run, but I know you, your, your rating was, was actually better than I expected it to be. Um, yeah, after, I think, uh, I think I, I think I had four out of five, uh, man, I forget what I said in my notes for it, but, uh, four out of five, um, I don't know, Domino Gleason drugged out, <laughs> <laughs> drugged out Domino Gleason's, uh, that, I'm tempted to go to four point four and a half. Like it's really well, it's really good. It's really well made. I, I, I don't. I guess I'll stick with four for now. But when we, if we do a a ranking of them, maybe I'll think about. I try to watch it again, um, before because this uh, part of me was like, well, was like this one. I think I was like surprised by how good it was. So if I yeah. went in expecting it to be good, let's see where it lands with like those expectations. Um, but no, it was it was great. Um, well, I am glad you enjoyed it. I, I, I would give it a four and a half. I, I yeah, I had four out of five meth heads. Um, <laughs> which I guess it's slobo heads, uh, if I'm doing it right. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like it. It's just, it's, so, it's just, just a solid movie. And it's to your point, I, I am good with that's what I liked about the 80s action movies is I don't need more than 90 minutes. Just, just yeah. give us something interesting and let's, let's make it happen and, and go and, this delivers on all those fronts and um i i really i really enjoy it i don't know if i'm gonna put it above a lot of the stuff we've already covered just because i don't have the same uh what do you call it maybe nostalgia yeah it's hard to compete with like the stuff you watched at like 12 and 13 of yeah that like you loved at that time of life yeah i uh but i i do think um i i i would hope there's lots of people who who would, who would see this and not discount it because of the stallone one and, and give it a chance so um and visually too i think it's a, it's a super interesting movie i was actually just looking up the cinematographer for it's a guy named anthony uh mantle and he did a lot of danny boyle stuff and um okay uh visually let's see like the movies the big movies i see of his he did slumdog millionaire he also was on 28 days later um he did the um uh Ron Howard movie the Rush. He did this, this the Train Spotting sequel. He did Last King of Scotland, uh, Snowden movie. So he he's, he's done some some pretty big stuff. And I think visually here, this is also this is also probably from a well, I can't say that's because speed, but visually, this is one of the, the better movies we probably watched in this run too. Besides the Jean de Bond stuff, yeah, so, yeah. No, this looks this looks really good. So, um. Yeah, we got to figure out what we're doing after this run. So we have one left in this yes. now. We have uh, we have cliffhanger, but so more actually, Stallone talk, baby. I, well, I, I I really and I can't wait to talk about. It. I really enjoy cliffhanger. I think it's yeah. it's such a I um that, a, I, I really enjoy that, but that I will have some notes on. Oh, I'm gonna have some notes. I, I'm gonna talk about. Uh, I'll go and give you some pre some previews uh, since I already watched it last week. Um, we're gonna definitely talk about. Uh, uh, Quaylen's accent, which is played by John Lithgow. I, know, I said we get we get another uh, evil John Lithgow. Evil John Lithgow. Uh, he's always he's, a good time. He's bringing it in this, which is weird because um, growing up to me, he was always the dad from Harry and the Hendersons, and then I, everything yeah. in the '90s, he's like a bad guy. He's I, just like this. Well, I'm trying to figure out. Like, I I guess it's because when you're a kid, you only see certain things. But I had the same thing of like in like Third Rock from the Sun, and like, oh yeah, I didn't I, even think about like, that. I had for so long in my life, like, was completely unaware of these, like, 
mustache twirly villains he would so often portray <laughs> and stuff and just like he was always like oh the nice dad like <laughs> yeah and then he ends up being um uh the trinity killer in like season three or four of uh dexter <laughs> yeah. and like he gets to play kind of both characters in there both types in that because he plays kind of the nice dad guy but he also plays the mustache twirling villain too it's 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 weird so i i look forward to talking about look gal and then yeah he's good um the other guy i cannot remember the name off the top of my head but i'm gonna just say it's that's reba mcintyre's husband <laughs> the guy who plays uh agent travis or travin or something like that who that guy is just all right at 11 the entire movie of like <laughs> screaming in salone's face and so I, I i'm excited to talk about it i also listened to a couple weeks ago Bill Simmons covered it with uh, on the rewatchables, or maybe maybe a few months ago, and uh, yeah. they were they were gushing about the movie pretty good. And I I, I I'm I'm excited to talk about it just because I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and, uh, I listened to that too. But I'm glad enough time has gone by since I listened to it, where I don't think it'll be in my head of influencing like how we talk about it. No, I agree. I I just remember he talked a lot about Michael Rooker, and. Uh, <laughs> um michael rooker's pretty pretty good in it too but we also need to figure out what we're doing for our next run at some I know, point I know. um and when i uh i did start trying to watch the star trek movies because i've never seen any of those except <laughs> except what was the one you and i went to go see like, uh, the, the, the worst one star trek nemesis <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah. The, yeah it was the Stuart baird one the guy who did exactly yes. the decision that's right yeah. um uh yeah I, I it's not bad i actually shit on them to be honest with you for a long time because i was just i was always a star wars person i think as a kid before those it, all those movies kind of becomes uh, yeah um, i'm a star wars kid so i have to yeah i have to like you have to rep star wars no matter what but um i I'm, I'm like most of the way through the first one and it's not it's not bad i i i'm curious to talk more about it with you because it the first one feels a little bit like it was put out as a response to star wars and how successful star wars was yeah, I definitely think they like we have this property. Like we need to do something with it. <laughs> but the um, it's I guess what was weird to me it stood out as I don't hear much about it. Um, was the first the set the first Star Wars Star Trek came out in 1979 I think. Uh, and the visuals and the uh the the special effects in it are all really good and it's it's it looks good and it looks well done and it's it's almost weird to me that like. It doesn't really get talked about, um, you know, Star Wars, was, I think, was kind of the first through the door on some of that. But uh, Star Trek holds up really well overall, like in terms of the visuals and, and, and how they they build the world. Yeah, I can tell you, they went way over budget. <laughs> so, oh, they did? OK, well, it spent a shitload of money in that. Like, um, but then things are like really rushed and like there some of it was last minute and it's kind of a messy production um, on that first one. Um, but then. I think a lot of it is that that one's pretty slow at times. It is. It feels like it just keeps building and building and building. Um, There's not a lot of action sequences. Like you can see some like 2001 DNA, which uh, premiered 55 years ago today. Apparently, by the way. Oh wow! Letterbox gave me that notification. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I've I was um the only thing I feel like I missed was because I've never seen the the TV show. They do so much. They spend so much time. Um, focusing on the reintroduction of Kirk to all of his crew when he comes back onto the Enterprise, that I do feel like my, I kind of feel like I, I, I dropped something by not seeing the TV show first. But I'm also thinking 
well, when this came out, the TV show had only been gone off the air for like 10 years. So it really wasn't for anybody who was seeing it. They're probably like, there's probably a lot more cohesiveness around their understanding of what's going on. But yeah, I think they that have ever watched the show would they kind of flushes a little bit out, but I mean, it's also like a TV show from like the sixties where like, it's like, it's not, um, they're not world building as much as I'm giving yeah, credit for. Exactly. Like you, you kind of, the characters are what they are. You're not really missing yeah. a lot of depth on, on some of these things. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I like the first one. I know some people don't really care for it, but then, I mean, Star Trek two is the, that's the big one the right one yeah i feel like every, every like every awesome. couple of weeks i see that pop up on your letterbox log <laughs> like, so i feel like i gotta i gotta get get through and, and get to that one but um anything you've seen lately that you really liked besides obviously dude. dread dude let me see i've actually watched uh <laughs> I, well, I was sick i, I, I was watching I, pornography <laughs> yeah well, well, well that too but um I watched a shitload of the Bond movies of um Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um just they're um just really easy to have on, like and kind of fading out while not feeling the best. But I, I continue to say the living daylights, the first two thirds last the first week, two yeah. thirds of that is is one of the best Bond movies there is. The last third of it is a fucking mess. <laughs> All the Jerome Crabbe stuff where yeah. he survives the, <laughs> the last fight and all that. Yeah, I would. Um, um I would 100 do a Bond Bond run on if you wanted to, just because I, be I, I. Well, speaking of 1979 movies, I think I texted you a few weeks ago, just being like, "There's light. There's a lot of content here with some of the Bond <laughs> ones." I, I was watching Moonraker, and uh, um, that's wild because it has this it is it's it's a pretty bananas one (laughs) they've got like a very serious and topical plot um but then it goes to bond in the brazilian jungle uh he's on the amazon in a boat boat battle to fighting a giant snake to now he's in a secret (laughs) lair that he then rides a spaceship into space and fights (laughs) space marine i don't know it's it's yeah that was a response also to Star Wars. Maybe that's what we should do. It's like another run. Movies that, that, that happened because of Star Wars. Like, Star Wars, what have you done? <laughs> because weren't they going to do... Man, I can't remember which one it was. They were, they were going to do another Fleming-based movie. And, and they then did, they, but they then after Star they Wars, they did Moonraker. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they did The Spy Who Loved Me in 77. And that was huge. That was like a really big movie for, for um, Eon. And then... I have to go look it up, but I, yeah, they 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 flipped their they, order on on something. Maybe, yeah, maybe I want to. Um, I, I want to say when the spy who loved me, like that post credits for that. I want to say it even had like James Bond will return in like for your eyes only. Maybe that's what it was. Is for your eyes only because that was the one oh, that came then, after Moonraker. They were like, oh, we got to go to space. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I I would love to. I mean, we don't have to do all twenty. Or there's what twenty five now. Or is it 26? Oh, yeah. What did No Time to I thought, Die do? I thought No Time to Die now. was... Maybe it is 26. Um, I don't think we have to do all of them. And, I, and even the Craig ones are almost I guess a little it, too new. I guess it depends, too, if you count uh, Never Say Never. Oh, we're going to count it. Um, <laughs> I would almost want to do just like a Roger Moore run because uh, those are the ones I always find myself coming back to the most. But 
it's because they they make some of the biggest swings i think that's why they're they're interesting to me yeah they and i I was listening to our speed episode um and i was talking about how so action movies when they hit the sweet spot of you can enjoy it on like the just the straightforward level or you can also kind of like laugh at it at the same time yeah and when it when they walk that like that perfect middle ground and that's what they i wouldn't say the roger moore movies are always successful at that <laughs> but that's what where those are generally trying to do and so you can they're, they're mostly successful. To be cool but then also like laugh at the ridiculousness of it well uh yet again with moonraker him driving a um a floating gondola through the middle of St. Mark's Square in Venice was uh, definitely a, that, in the pigeon double take. <laughs> I mean, a lot of Bond movies have this, but that's definitely one where at the end you're like, how is this in the same movie? All of this stuff? Like, yeah, how I know. In the world that they tie all of this into one movie? That's a good point. If you catalog all the things you see, um, it would probably not make any sense. But uh, well, anyway, um, but to your point, I did watch um, Living Daylights this past week and uh, I, I wish we had more um, Dalton Dalton movies because yeah, it didn't get tied up in the rights battle and stuff where they yeah they got well, to make another or, one with him or or maybe if more had stepped away sooner. Uh, well, if that happened, you might have had Brosnan <laughs> earlier, but but I, I think it would have been interesting to have a few more in that set in the nineteen eighties with with um, Dalton. With Dalton, yeah, um, and maybe not as dark as what uh, License to Kill was <laughs> because that felt like that was too much of a response. And that's a Die Hard movie, right? Or a response to Die Hard movie. Because I think that was Michael Kamen does the score, who did the score for um, Die Hard. I think. Pretty sure. Hopefully, I, I did not look <laughs> that up before I said it, but I was pr- I'm pretty confident in that. Um, and uh, it's got Robert Davi in it. And it's, uh, yes. <laughs> and, and it's got one of the, it's got both Johnsons in it. It's got both, <laughs> both <laughs> Johnsons are in it. So it is, it is kind of a Die Hard movie. <laughs> so, um, but that, that felt like that was too much of a response to Die Hard and like Miami Vice and trying to tie in Tom. Yeah. Cole, like Lethal Weapon and kind of all that. Yeah. So, but I, I, I do wish we'd gotten more of those. I saw something on, um, I think it was on Reddit, maybe couple of days ago and i guess there was it at con uh in like 1990 or 1991 there was actually they did like a full poster with dalton saying like they're beginning they're going to be in shooting like i think it was like the summer of 91 or 92 whatever his yeah. third movie was supposed to be in. and I, I guess it just didn't didn't go but it was it was interesting they, they got far enough to to start trying yeah to, I, there's a lot out there on that what that one where they were trying to go, but then I think they got into the McClory rights battle yeah. stuff again. He got tied up, and Dalton, understandably, was like, "I don't, I, like, <laughs> I, I kind of want to do other stuff." Like and he did the rocket. I don't, I don't just want to sit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they let him. I'm like, yeah, you don't need to just sit around waiting on us. Like, yeah. <laughs> I uh, uh I, he's I, gone I, on to a great career uh, playing bad guys. <laughs> He has, I know. So he goes straight into playing James Bond to playing a Nazi, or at least a Nazi sympathizer in The Rocketeer. That's the movie I remember seeing him in really as a kid. The first time was, um, um, what is his name? Neville Sinclair in that or something like that? Why do I know <laughs> that? Why, do I, why is that in my head? I know. <laughs> fucking 40 years old, and I'm, this is the useful useful knowledge I'm carrying around. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, he, he, he plays a really good bad guy and, and uh, uh, hot fuzz so 
Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to do a bond run at some point or at least um, do periodic ones where we can we could pick out the ones we want to cover because they are pretty uh, bonkers and, and pretty fun to to to. Like yeah, that said, would be fun. That would be watch either on the surface or just watch for because you're because you need you want to see something deeper. Yeah, <laughs> we also have to do our Chuck Norris on the Fourth of July run or whatever it was too. And we talked about <laughs> kind of canon, the canon. I which, like it. Uh, yeah, I do too. So okay, all right. So <laughs> up next we've got uh, cliffhanger, and that will wrap up our Die Hard on a blank, and then. We're going to have to figure out what we're doing next. Um, yeah, to schedule it. A lot of really in, insane different uh, stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll figure it out and we'll uh, go from there. Hey, happy birthday. Hey, <laughs> thank you. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>